Hello, everybody, and welcome back for another episode of the Perkyavos podcast with Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with ethics of the Torah. It is great to be with you again today. And if you enjoy this podcast, you might also like my other podcast on the Parsha of the Week. You can look for it by searching for the Practical Parsha podcast or by looking in the show notes below. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or would just to like to reach out and say hello and tell me how you enjoy this podcast, my email address is rabbi shlomokone with a K at gmail.com. For this week, we're continuing with Perak Aleph, Mishnah Tesvav, chapter one, Mishnah 15. And in last week's episode, we completed the teachings of Hillel. And now we're on the second part of the pier, right? We're going in piers, and the, the current pier that we're in is Hillel and Shammai. And we finished Hillel's teachings, and now the Mishnah is continuing with the teachings of Shammai. The Mishnah begins. Shammai Omer, Shammai says, Asei toiroscha kva, Make your Torah study a fixed practice. Do say a little and do much. And receive everyone with a cheerful face. So we have three teachings in this Mishnah. Three very different points. Number one, make a fixed time for Torah study. And we're going to get into that. What does that exactly mean? What are the lessons we can take out from that? Number two, talk a little bit and do a lot. And number three, Receive everyone with a cheerful face. Three different ideas. The first thing which struck me in this Mishnah is that what's the connection between these three different thoughts and teachings of Shammai in this Mishnah? And usually there's a, a thread that goes through the Mishnah that connects the different ideas. And over here, doesn't seem to be that way. You know, so what's the connection between the different teachings of Shammai. And I saw a different, uh, few different ideas that, ex that give an answer to this question. And the first one, which I saw brought down in my Mishnaya, in, in my uh, Perkyavos, is that the Mishnah, and sh namely Shammai, is talking to three different people. He's saying, number one, who is he speaking to? Who is he speaking to? He's speaking to the usher, the rich person. Number two, the chacham, the wise person. And number three, the gibor, the strong person. That when Shammai teaches us, he's referring to a wealthy individual. That even if somebody is wealthy, has different, uh, you know, very a lot of business needs to attend to, make sure you learn. Make sure you keep that commitment. Even if somebody's very busy with a lot of things, you need know, to keep that commitment. And we're going to get into that We'll delve into a little bit more as we go ahead in the podcast. 
But I wanted just to, to give a little bit of a connection between the thoughts here. Number two is having do speak a little and do a lot. And that's talking to a chacham, a wise person. Shama is telling a wise person, person, don't, you know, don't go crazy with your words. Be measure, use your words sparingly. Be, you know, don't just don't do idle chatter. Be more exact with the words. Don't just, you know, blab away. Number three is the gibor is referring to the strong person. That a person maybe a person who's, who comes to a position of strength might feel that he could overlord over somebody. Mission is telling him, Shama is telling him to be, accept everyone with a happy face. Don't, just because you're a strong individual, you should not necessarily um, take advantage of that situation. You still have to receive everybody in the proper way and in the proper attitude. Another thought that connects the three ideas in this Mishnah is that the Mishnah is talking about one person. And the Mishnah is giving instruction to, to, uh, to a person, to, to a person who, who wants to be a Torah scholar, who wants to follow the Torah. Number one, you got to make a set time for Torah study. That's number one. And number two is that, you know, maybe once a person does that, they'll think, you know, I don't, I don't really have time for other people. I don't, I don't, you know, so the mission is saying, you know, be more concise with your words, be clear, be concise. And number three, it's referring is, and number three is having the Kabbalah called Adam Lakafs is that, I'm sorry, having the Kabbalah called Adam Basavir Panam Yafis and accept everyone with a smile on your face is that people will hear, this is according to Rabbi Ruben Feinstein, is that people will hear that this rabbi, uh, deals with people, you know, gives clear instruction, concise instruction, and people will be happy. And in turn, he will be happy to answer them as well. And I had a little thought on this, that when the Mishnah said that third idea, the connection maybe is, is that even if we're a Torah scholar and we're careful with our words and our time's important to us, we still have to accept people with a happy and cheerful face. You know, just because... Our time is valuable. That's true. Time is very valuable. But it doesn't give us the right to take it on someone else and make someone else feel bad because our time is valuable. I know there's many stories with, with great rabbis, how they were very careful, even though they, they maximized their time tremendously. They were always learning. And, and one story that comes to mind is Ramosha Feinstein, Zatzal. Um, he was the leader of American Jewry um, in, the, in the last generation. And many of his halakhic decisions we rely upon till this day. And there's different stories. I've heard different stories along the same line. That, but one particularly stands out in my mind that there was this woman who would, you know, scream down. He lived in the Lower East Side. And it seems like, you know, maybe he gave a, a chumish class every Friday. And there would always be this woman who would interrupt the class to ask when candlelighting would be. You know, you could just imagine the leading rabbi of the generation and a lady screams in, you know, what time is candlelighting in Yiddish? And he would answer every single week. And, and people were saying, you know, how do you let this happen? I said, no, she needs to know what time candlelighting. And he, he looked at it as his responsibility. Even though time was important to him, he didn't look at it that, okay, I, I could just treat, you know, not put a smile on my face. But it's, it was the other way around that even if we make time for Torah study and we're, we're careful with our words and we're careful with our time, we still need to be accept people with a happy and cheerful face that when we are dealing with people, 
even if it's something which is, you know, maybe bothersome even, it's trivial, but we have to still accept them with a happy face because, you know, you never want someone walking away hurt from you. And I, I think, you know, we can all, you know, know, we know that feeling, you know, you know that feeling, I know that feeling of when we approach somebody and they didn't give us the reaction that we wanted, rather they brush us off and there's a certain stinging feeling you're left with and a certain icky feeling, not such a great feeling, when you walk away from that conversation, that could possibly even affect someone's rest of their day and their relationship with others and their, their uh, dealings with others as well. So you never know how far the action will go. And all the more so if someone's a esteemed individual that the, the brush off that they would give to somebody could affect another detrimentally. Now, I wanted to go through each one of the ideas of the Mishnah to explain and to bring out a few thoughts. The first idea that Shammai is teaching us, we mention, is you should make your Torah, you know, set. Now, there's two different, there's different ways of understanding this. And the first way that I wanted to explain is that what's the most important aspect of your life? So there's different parts of us. There's our physical needs. There's our jobs. There's our families. What's the most important? What are the top five? What are the top 10? What's on the bottom of the ladder? And the Shammai is t- telling us that what we should make set, I say Teres Chakva, is that what our, our focus should be, what, what should be on the top of our uh, totem pole, so to say, is Torah, is our spiritual lives. You know, I'm sure career is, is definitely important. You know, education is important. All these things are important, but what are we doing those things for, right? We don't do it just for an ends to, a, you know, a, uh, it's, it's a means to an end. It's not an ends to a, it's not, a, it's not an end in of itself. And the Mishnah is telling us that the Torah should be a permanent part of our life and nothing else should give way for it. That it's kvad, that which means set, that that's established in our lives. And even though other things can give, the Torah does not give. It stays in one place and it's set. It gives, it's, it's our anchor in, in, in this world, it keeps us, you know, placed, it doesn't let us move. It keeps us balanced. It keeps us connected. And that's one understanding of another explanation, which is very beautiful, is that when it comes to our learning Torah study, the Mishnah is telling us something very important that even though there's different types of people and we all have different backgrounds, some of us have gone to yeshiva. Some of us have maybe become more religious or observant throughout our lifetime. Some of us are maybe not observant, but the idea is, is that we, we all have the ability to connect and to learn. Now, granted one person, what might be expected of him or her is more than someone else, right? The, the, the God only expects of us what we're capable of doing but we have to be honest with ourselves. What's our limits? 
right? What can we do? And the Mishnah is telling us something very important, that when it comes to our Torah learning, maybe I'm not able to learn 10 hours a day, but am I learning an hour a day? Am I learning five minutes a day? Am I making set time for myself every day to study Torah? And if, you know, and even if a person maybe not necessarily is learning every day, he's not at that level yet, but are we learning every week? Do we have some type of set time in our schedule that we're studying Torah? And that's the mission is telling us that a person every day needs to make a time for themselves to study Torah. For one person, it could be five minutes. For another person, it could be five hours. Everyone's amount is different, but the bottom line is, is that are we setting aside the time? And even all the more so, you know, even on a deeper level, even for someone who normally learns five hours, there's going to be days in their life, for most people at least, that it just, it's not going to happen. Someone's wife has a baby, some, uh, you know, different family situations, um, emergencies, um, different things come up that you're not able to get that amount of time in that you wanted to. But at the end of the day, the, the question you need to ask yourself, every person, is that, did I set aside some time? You know, before I go to sleep, learn a Mishnah, learn a, a, a few verses in the Torah, make a time for yourself, even for, for somebody who has a set schedule already, make sure every day in your life, you have that set time to learn and to study. And it's brought down, I believe in the Talmud, that when a person goes up to Shemayim, when they go up to heaven after 120, there's different questions that the heavenly court asks. And one of the questions that is asked to a person when they're going to enter the um, enter and enter into or before they when they're before the heavenly court is that I say did you make a fixed time for Torah study? Did you learn Torah at day and night? And obviously, we want to be able to answer that question, but that's not the reason necessarily the reason why we do it. We want to do it because that's what Hashem wants from us, and that's our connection. When we, you know, the there's a famous Gemara, I believe. That says in the Talmud, it states that if somebody leaves the Torah for one day, the Torah leaves him for two days. That, you know, there's a certain, there's a certain um, sense of continu continuity that we need when it comes to our connection with Hashem, with our connection with God and our study with Torah. And that's why it's, it's so crucial for us to have a time every day to study Torah. The second teaching in the Mishnah is emor ma'at harbei. Say a little bit and do a lot. I believe Teddy Roosevelt was famous for saying, speak softly and carry a big stick. Speak a little bit and do a lot. Your actions should define you, not your speech. You know, I'm sure we all know people, and I'm, you know, I bet we do it ourselves as well. Sometimes we talk big. We know people that talk a lot and then don't deliver anything. And I'm sure we know others, or perhaps we are one of these, we are this type of individual that we, we try to get things done and not make a big fanfare about it. So the mission is giving us a very important lesson. Before Teddy Roosevelt, Said it, 
Shammai, the great Shammai, to make a separation between the two. Shammai t- taught us, speak a little bit and do a lot. And the commentary on Perkyavos bring this idea from the Torah. We see that Avram Avinu, Abraham, he followed this dictum that he did a little bit. Sorry, he spoke a little bit and gave a lot. That when the angels came to visit him, he said, come sit down, I'll give you some bread and water. And then he actually, what, what did he actually give them? He gave them tongue, mustard, all the delicacies, but he didn't say it beforehand. He only did a lot. Now, there's a, a very important point which I want to bring out over here. And it's really a question. The question is, is if the Mishnah says, Amar ma'at wouldn't it be better just to say nothing? You know, if you're going to go somewhere, just say the very basic information and then don't say anything. What's the Mishnah trying to teach us by telling us, Amar ma'at, you know, talk a little bit about what you're going to do, but don't talk too much. Wouldn't it make the most sense? Is like, just don't talk at all. You know, maybe if you're going somewhere, say, I'm, you know, you're doing something for somebody, you say, very basic information, practically nothing. And Rebruvian Feinstein asks this question and he gives the following answer. Says that if we would not really give any information about what we're going to do, what would happen? What would be is that a person, if you say, I'm going to get you a present and you don't really say too much about it, a person in their mind, the natural place where a person is going to go is they're going to think it's bigger than it actually is. Whatever the present you're going to give, you just said, I'm getting you a present. You didn't say anything else. You know, you didn't say it was a birthday present. So they know maybe it's a, you know, or it's a, uh, you know, just an appreciation gift. You just said getting you something, a present. So now in the person's mind, they think they're getting, you know, a 2022, um, sorry, a 2023 Mustang. Maybe, or they're getting tickets to the Eagles game or a trip to Florida. So in their mind, they're making the expectations more than what you're actually going to give them. So now that when you give them the, the new, you give, them, you give them a pair of gloves or you give them um, a gift card, what happened? They're disappointed. There's a letdown because in their mind, there was an expectation. They created a false expectation and now it wasn't met. So the mission is telling us something very important that in order to minimize expectations, you need to say a little bit so people expect less and are not disappointed. Interesting. That saying less and more ma'at Minimizing your words, but yet saying something about what you're going to do. I'm going to give you a present. It's going to be a, a you know a small present, not too much, a little bit of a token appreciation. You're bringing down the expectations. So now, when I give that pair of gloves or that thirty-six dollar gift card, the people, the person is tickled pink. Their expectations were much lower, and now you exceeded it. And it really brings us to a very important lesson um, in general when it comes to our words and the connection between expectations. 
There's an expression, expect nothing and appreciate everything. Again, expect nothing and appreciate everything. That the best attitude to have, and it's difficult, it's definitely difficult because we always have expectations, is that we shouldn't expect anything and whatever we do get, we appreciate. You know, it's, it's always very challenging. The first time you do something, the first time you go on vacation somewhere, it's always amazing. It's always great. First time you try that new food, it's amazing. And then you go back again to the same place. And what happened? It wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. You try that food again, did not taste the same. What happened? And this is something we've talked about in the past, and I've used it, in a di I've answered differently, but this time I want to ask the question again with a different answer. And this is something which we all experience. I experienced myself. And thinking recently, I went to a conference not too long ago. Not too long ago. The first year I went, it was an amazing experience. I loved it. Second year, eh, wasn't so great. Didn't have such a great feeling afterwards. I'm happy I went, but it wasn't the same. What's the reason for that? And the answer to that is that it's expectations. The first year I went to the conference, I had zero expectations. I wasn't, I didn't think, you know, I didn't know what was going to happen. So my expectations were very low. And now that I went that first year at an amazing time, the expectations were through the roof. And what happened? No, now this is my ex expectations were so high. And I came back the second year, fell short, didn't have the same feeling. What happened when we went on vacation the first time and we had an amazing experience? No expectations. So we had a great time. The second time, where was our expectation thermometer? Through the roof. So what happens? It falls short. We had that stake the first time. No expectation, same thing. Second time around, doesn't do the trick. Expectations are through the roof. So a secret possibly to happiness, one of the secrets is expect nothing and appreciate everything. That if we lower our expectations for things, I think we'll be happier people. I'm not saying it's easy. You know, I think our, our natural reaction is that, you know, this expression in Yiddish, kumpmir. You know, it's coming to me. We feel that we're entitled to certain things, whether it be from our, our spouses, whether it be from our friends, from our parents. And um, we have to have an attitude of gratitude. That's the truth. Switch it around. Instead of expecting things, have the attitude of gratitude. I like that. Rhymes. And um, I think when we do that, we'll be happier and more um, fulfilled people, whole people, and not have those letdowns that, that bother us so much. Now, the last idea of the Mishnah, before we finish tonight, is that we should greet everyone with a cheerful face. Now, if we, you know, normally, there's only one part of your body which you can't really see. 
And no, not your back. I mean, your back, you can't see either, but there's one part of your body that is for everyone else to see. What is that? Your face. That we don't see our, our face only in the mirror or if we're on Zoom. But our facial expressions are really, if you think about it, the property of others in a way. And um, our outward mood, how we are, how we greet somebody can affect someone else's mood as well. Have you ever gotten someone in the grocery store that just was really nasty, not nice, given not nice fit? It, it sort of turn, it makes you also feel like that, right? You don't feel good about it afterwards. Like we talked about this earlier. And on the flip side, you have someone who's really nice to deal with and really friendly and smiles at you. You it makes all the difference. It makes all the difference. And um, the Avoster of brings down that if a person gives a gift to their parents, even if it's the, the best gift in the world, if it's not with a smile, it's worthless. That's what he says. It's worth nothing. And if a person gives something very, very small, but it's with a smile, it can mean everything. And I think this is just a general outlook when it comes to you know, dealing with others and, and ourselves. You know, it's um, have that smile. It doesn't cost anything. It's free. It can make others in a good mood. It, it lightens up the, the mood. It can remove stress. You know, let's do a trick. Watch this trick. I just got everyone to smile. I'm smiling right now. I'm smiling into the microphone. Are you smiling now? Are you smiling back at me? And you don't even see me. And you're smiling back. A smile is free. It's something that we can give to others to make someone else happy, to make ourselves happy. Because, you know, sometimes if you're in a bad mood, you smile and it makes, it makes you happy. It make, puts you in a good mood. You fake it till you make it. And that's something which we can use to help us be better people and make the world a brighter and happier place. That's going to finish for today's podcast, for today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed. If you have any questions, comments, or just would like to reach out to say hello, feel free to send me an email at rabbishlomacom with a K at gmail.com. Everyone, have a great day.